Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me today, Brandon's in the house. Brandon, say hello to the people. Hey, what's up, people? Ricardo's in the house. Ricardo, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. We, uh, guys, I, you know, we're going to do a real quick intro on this one because we have an amazing guest today. Um, and Brandon texted me saying, why are we doing an intro for this? This guy sets everything up himself and sounds amazing. And let's just get out of the way. So, well, well, we could get out of the way, but I just want to say real quick, Jeremy, you only have amazing guests because you're fucking amazing. Oh, <laughs> appreciate that, man. Okay. Appreciate that. If you guys could like, rate, review, share all those good things, five stars only, please. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess without further ado, let's just get to David Babora. He's a former NFL football player, former Seattle Seahawk, uh, got addicted to prescription medication, uh, cleaned his life up open to gym training professional athletes and that kind of rolled over into him uh coming opening this uh, adaptive training foundation uh in dallas where he's working with a lot of amputees and people that were injured in the military but also a lot of uh spinal cord injury patients we have you know our guy taylor nichols uh, has trained with him done one of his nine week courses uh, so yeah, you know, let's uh, let's get to David, and we will talk to you guys on the other side. Sounds good, Jer. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are super excited to talk with David Vibora, who is the founder of the Adaptive Training Foundation. Uh, he's a retired NFL player, a keynote speaker, and a Lululemon ambassador. David, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Man, loving it. Excited to be here. I'm so excited. So I actually heard uh, an interview that you did on a podcast that's kind of a local podcast, sports podcast here in Seattle. Um, and I was like, wow, this, you know, this guy sounds amazing. Like this, you know, he used to play for the Seahawks. Like this is a crazy, crazy situation with this adaptive training foundation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love what you guys are doing. And so before we get to that, um, you know, like what, talk about the journey, I guess, from, so you were, you were Mr. Irrelevant, which obviously, you know, you were the last draft pick in, uh, of the, what, the 2008 draft, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Correct. To the Rams. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, going from there and you're from Oregon originally, right? Is that so yep, going yep. folks from- are still in folks are in Eugene, man. I'm a Pacific Northwest kid. Nice, nice. Sorry the Huskies had to uh, beat the Ducks this week. <laughs> I know. I was, I, was root, I was going crazy for that one. But uh, so, you know, how does a kid go from, you know, or Eugene, Oregon to the University of Idaho to the NFL yeah. and then ending up in Dallas, Texas uh, with this adaptive gym that you, you started? Yeah, it wasn't the plan, right? But it's just so fun because life is nonlinear. And I think, um, you know, had I had I had it worked out the way I'd planned it, uh, it wouldn't have been nearly as as, as impactful. So, you know, if it was a skinny pencil neck kid growing up in Oregon, I, I thought I was going to be the next Brett Favre. And I was always good, in, you know, high school to college. The question was like, you know, can he play at a D1, you know, level? And Everybody wanted me to walk on. I had one division one offer, University of Idaho. So I wanted to play at the highest possible level. I took that. 
started as a true freshman. Um, you know, we won like nine games in four years. It was rough. You know, like you win nine games one year at Ohio State and the coach is getting fired. Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, but it was a cool, I was able to really grow and 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 kind of hone myself as a leader, my, my own sort of attributes as a leader, both on and off the football field. And so when it came time to get drafted, it was like, you know, call me Mr. Anything You Want. I've achieved the dream of playing in the NFL. And and it was just a foot in the door again. Hey, you know, we don't perceive much from this guy and I'm going to earn your respect and through hard work. And a lot of which was in the weight room, right? It's always been a sanctuary where I could use hard work to foster my potential. Cause I always felt like I was moderately talented, but I would outwork you and study the game and have more value playing multiple positions. But when I got to college, they made me a linebacker, which was like, Whoa, right? Like, dude, I'm, I'm supposed to be one throwing the ball, not the aggressor, the guy head hunting, but I'm really grateful because I could see the the field from that view of a quarterback and it helped me understand the whole defense kind of globally. But, you know, I, again, after a four and a half year career in the NFL, I think, you know, I did more than some less than most. And it gave me opportunities to see, like, let, let's just call it what it is. I did not transition well out of the league. Um, you know, when you are a guy like me and, and your whole tunnel vision, your whole identity is dedicated to being elite in your craft. And you reach that point. Um, it was scary to ask, who am I without that game? And, you know, my coping mechanism was started with prescription meds. And pretty soon I was buying drugs off the street and, and using things to just basically mask that fear. And it was, um, you know, it was a critical bottom for me to go through a drug detox, man. Brutal. Golly, you don't worry that upon anyone. Just losing 34 pounds, you know, not controlling either end, being, you know, just, just at war with yourself and you put yourself there. And um, in fact, maybe your greatest attributes, right, to be tough, to be on the field, to want to be more than a man, those are what sort of you know, had the house stilted up, the, the, the house of cards. And then ultimately going through all that, taking a year off of football, and, and you can feel free to jump back to any of this. I know these are cliff notes, but I, I just got a call from one of my coaches in the league, and, and there was something in my gut that had shifted, and it scared the hell out of me because it wasn't normal. It was like this voice showed up and was like, no, it's, it's time. Whoa. And so I married this, you know, beautiful Southern blonde and her whole family was in Texas. And so even though I was living in Orange County, pretending to be a pro surfer, or at least look like one in my wetsuit, uh, I, my wife was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta start something new. What do you want to do? And I, and I said, man, I'll start a gym. I want to train athletes, but the, the adaptive thing that comes later, like that fell yeah. into my lap. Yeah. So I, a real quick, um, yeah, I know. Uh, I told you before the before we started recording, like I'm. It's gonna be hard for me to like compartmentalize and like move away from the football stuff. I'm, no, I'm let's go, man. Fan. Let's go, twelfth man. Let's yeah. go there. Why not? You bet, I, I love bet it. Your listeners are, are are wanting that too. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I, you know, I'm interested on, on some level because you you know you hear about at, like professional athletes, like it's it's got to take a toll on you mentally and probably emotionally just you know your when your career you've like you said you've worked so hard and been kind of single uh single focused on this one goal for your entire life right growing up like we all play football um but going to that next level and then your career can be over at 26 or 28 or whatever like what kind of I mean I'm sure that probably contributed to to all of of uh, what you had to go through as well so um, yeah, there's also a like God complex. Aspect. 
Right, right. Yeah, there's two things. And, and I think people will be able to relate. The first is maybe difficult in the sense of like the grandiosity of the game and the feeling of being on the field and the God complex that kind of like, dude, that ego stroke that and the ego that was necessary to create staying power, not to just achieve that level, but then to stick around and to dominate, and, you know, um, it takes like you think about in the last dance when Michael Jordan, who is the man at this, right? He was creating these narratives in his head that he was at war against this person, right? That is an ego that is just incredible. But if that doesn't have a place to to rise above that plane that was familiar, like what got you here can't get you there. And I think that that's where you begin to attach extrinsic worth, value, motivation to what you do, not who you are. And I mean, I was just on with Chris Long, my old teammate, who was the first pick in that draft. I was the last who came best friends like instantly. <laughs> He, he, he was, you know, he went on to win two Super Bowls later in his career with the uh, Pats and then the Eagles. He just, he said something to me when we did the pod. He said, man, DV, at about year seven, I had to stop and look myself in the mirror and, and shift from what my motivating factors were. And once they became intrinsic, I began to love the game again. Because if not, you're, cho- you're, you're just a balloon in a hurricane taught by, you know, people's opinions and this thing or wins or losses. And ultimately some of those things aren't up to you. You know, they're not in your control. And that's where I think the pattern for people to be able to talk about mental health, not, not in a way that sometimes I think we can talk about it so much. It's just talking in a circle. It still takes action, which is why I love the gym because the weights don't care what your bank account says. They don't care whether you got legs that move or not. They don't care whether you're gay or straight or what your political beliefs are, you know, that and doing hard things together as humans is what, where we find similarities, you know, through sweat equity, through, through a little bit of shared suffering. And that's why I think mental health with the use of movement, doing hard things together, collective community action, that's where you're going to breed um, culture and hopefully hope for a lot of people. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, just like I have two more questions about football stuff. So I want to know what what was um, like career highlight, like I guess what was the, the crowd in Seattle? Like people talk about the 12th man. Uh and how uh, Seattle has the loudest fans and the best fans in the game, whatever. Like, yeah. where, how did, how did that, how did you feel that, that? Uh... Yeah. I'll give you two highlights. One for me, uh, one of my first ever sacks, it was actually in St. Louis, but I sacked Hasselbeck. And it was like the first year we did the pink gloves thing for breast cancer awareness. Right. And it was like the front page of the next morning, the St. Louis paper. I like, ah, like had just like this <laughs> moment. Right. And I, I remember that feeling like I'm just a, kind of a paramount nfl type of moment for me but i'll rewind when we ended up losing when this when the seahawks beat us at century link to ultimately go on to beat the saints in wild card round when marshawn you know the legendary uh, leap into the end zone yeah. yeah uh that they beat us on sunday night football we had bradford it was his rookie year he was balling anyway that night in the ground i mean like it's it's like going, I mean, I tell people this, don't do this, please. But go imagine standing next to a train track and putting your head on the ground as that train starts to near. Like that's what it f- feels like viscerally on the ground, the vibration in your chest, just like the 4th of July can feel with fireworks and concussions. Right. It's a remarkable feeling. Wow. Yeah, no, that must, yeah, must be pretty intense uh, for sure. And, you know, and the, the other thing I wanted to ask you kind of uh, – uh, generalized question about the nfl so you know they obviously there there's been over the years you hear stories about that they just kind of like give like feed the players pills keep you guys on the field 
you know, shot, uh, injections in your knees, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, where, where do you stand, I guess, and, and like being somebody who's had to dealt, who has dealt with drug addiction, um, kind of as a result of this um, playing career, wh- where do you stand on cannabis and, and where, if that should be like a legal alternative to, to taking these painkillers and stuff? Uh, Cause we talk yeah, a lot a, about it, cannabis on the show here and, yeah, it's a no-brainer, man. And I love that that's the path. I and mean, looking at holistic stuff, it's the same thing in my gym. I mean, if we can get off pharmaceuticals, if we can find holistic pathways, and, and even in the mental health side now with with the like groundbreaking work again in psychedelics usage. And, and I think that there's so much in neuroplasticity and neurogenesis that we can create with plant-based solutions. Um, and to include CBD, to include, you know, I mean, there's just so, so many varieties that are, you know, both psychoactive and not. And we're just learning and there's new things every day. I swear there's a new CNBD, whatever, plus nine or something, you know, <laughs> but all, all to, all to say is I think um, again, back to the NFL, there were certain decisions we made, probably not in the best interest of our overall health to be on the field. And I think the NFL's cleaned up a little bit of that in the locker room as they should have with, with pills and prescriptions, just tracking more of that. Um, but the, the, the bigger push to me for people would be, the relationship and the narrative that you draw or, or create around pain, you need to be able to analyze it to then see whether or not you're actually kind of firing and wiring the same habitual patterns together. This is why movement and the exploration of moving your body in space and breath work can be really amazing. Not everybody needs to run a Spartan race, right? Not everyone can, but that mind body connection, that's where I think if, if, if we get so far out in front of ourselves with, man, this pain, and I'm going to go to this doctor, this doctor, this doctor, this doctor. It's it's almost like you, the self-fulfilling prophecy. You find, spend so much time and energy uh, with, out, without, outside of yourself. That you're not actually doing the real healing inside. And I am definitely a proponent for cannabis as it pertains to that holistic, you know, going within. Oh, great. Uh, I love to hear it. Um, yeah, so let's let's get into this, uh, the the Adaptive Training Foundation. I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of, you know, what, so you, you go to Dallas with your wife, you and your wife decide to move to Dallas where she's got family and you're going to do training for high level athletes. But like, so where, where does the shift occur that you, you go down the, the dealing with people that are dealing with disabilities? You know, I, I've always been a champion to the underdog because I felt like one in football and, and, and growing up in church, my parents just emulated, they embodied what it meant to have compassion for humans. We'd pick people up that had different, and maybe they're homeless or different disabilities or issues and help, you know, and um, it was just tend to basic needs. We never had a lot, um, you know, financially, but we were just were such a wealthy experience of seeing what it meant to be of service to people. Um, three generations of Marines in my family. I didn't get the chance to serve. So I say those to say this, when I moved to Dallas, uh, I was introduced to a Navy SEAL and had a warehouse. And essentially, because of him just saying, hey, why don't you just launch your gym here? Um, I started working kind of with this veteran athlete crossover. And these guys that, that were underneath him, they were all pretty much former operators. They were, you know, had all their limbs. They, weren't, they were definitely banged up in combat, but they were, they were not uh, you know, tr- tragically injured. And so it, it was at a surprise birthday party for this SEAL a chance intersection, man. Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, one of five living quadruple amputees that was hurt in combat, lost all four limbs, ended up um, surviving. 
I beelined it to this guy because I I don't even know if I I've mean, seen I'm sure I'd seen an amputee, but like walking on prosthetics, like and all four was just like Robo Man was incredible. And I booked it to him. I said, Man, when was the last time you worked out? You know, he's a, he's Travis is hilarious. If anybody's listening, look up Travis Mills and some of his interviews and podcasts, you will die. He's hilarious, man. Uh, but he made some jokes, and then I said, "Man, why don't you come and try to work out with me and these NFL guys?" And obviously, everyone leveled up when Travis came in, and his uh, approaching training with so much willingness, like for me to guinea pig things, and you know, rehab can be so sterile, so clinical. This I was training him like an athlete. He actually was a ball player who had a chance to go play in college. And he went airborne instead. So that just made me go, whoa. Then pretty soon there was 10 vets. And then it eventually got to where I wasn't charging anybody because I, I wanted to serve these people. I couldn't manage my for-profit side of the business. And yeah, we decided to close down Performance Vault, which was the elite athlete side. And I just went all in to craft a way to assess and train anybody with a physical impairment or disability. Um, and then a way to progress them with a specific methodology that you could use in a fitness center in a you know hotel room or a gym or your garage. And, you know, hopefully find not just community, but tools and habits um, and then ways to pay that forward by training other people like them. So ATF was born in 2014 and it's been cost free. We fly people here, house them, feed them, train them. Same thing that like I got for my combine training for the NFL. I wanted optimization under a roof, but equip them with these things so that they can go back to their, you know, lo locations or stay local. And many have moved from different places to be local. And then we hired them back and they can make money now serving somebody else with like impairment. So it's a pretty cool ecosystem. Oh, that, that's amazing. Um, you know, uh, so you guys got started in 2014 and, and I, I've heard you talk kind of glowingly about the reciprocal kind of motivation and inspiration when you were working with both the high level athletes and uh, the people dealing with disabilities, um, you, you know, where did something just click in your head when you saw it, like that, that happening with the high level athletes kind of getting the motivation from, from the disabled yeah. people. And then the disabled people being like, you know, working harder because they're seeing the professional athletes uh, yeah. bust their butts there too. It's yeah. Rising tides raise all boats. The, the, yeah, it, it is. It's such an interesting part when you talk about humans, because here's the deal. You know, I have scars that I've endured, you know, I'm, I do have all my limbs. Right. But, but my scars are those scars. If I'm not willing to share them, there's no way I'm going to transcend them to go beyond to be able to use some of that pain for purpose to be able to help somebody, you know, maybe avoid a similar scar that's headed down the same path. And there's, you know, even pointing back to the addiction side of things and the people's relationship with pain, like because there's commonality, I think the human experience is very synonymous. That's what I'm getting at here. And, you know, whether it's a combat injured vet or a civilian, and that was the big thing. People were like, man, make this just veterans. It'll be sexier. You're in Texas. You'll get more funding. But I watched civilians sharing numbers with veterans that were very like, Oh, you civilians don't understand. And they were putting themselves in a silo. But this, you know, woman who had been in a car accident, you know, in a moment, the rug was pulled out of her life and her mobility or independence. And not dissimilar to that guy who was in country and lost his leg below knee or whatever. And then they begin to realize like, oh, man, that is actually the, the calling that is not we don't I don't want to be normal. I want to be uncommon. And that uniqueness is my story. And so they begin to share that then. And that's where I think you transcend the definitions that doctor diagnosis, the limitations of beliefs on. I mean. 
we've jumped SCIs off of cliffs. We've, done, I mean, like at this point, at this point in the game, it's just whether or not you want to dream it up and who are you doing it for? Right. If you can answer those questions, man, you're going to live a life of a lot of experience and joy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. that That's amazing. Um, you know, what levels, uh, I, do you guys work with kind of like a wide range of like spinal cord injury levels as well? Cause I know obviously we're a specific, you know, sp- yep. more specific spinal cord injury podcast, but, um, yeah, I mean, talk about like, you guys work with amputees, yeah. you work with, with spinal cord injuries, man. I got a guy you got to have on. He's one of my OG trainers, Sean Fitz. He's currently training Michaela Noble, who was the 17 year old prosper cheerleader that broke her neck last year world okay. champion uh her yeah. story is remarkable too you got you should get her you should get mac and fitz on fitz has been my like sci ace since 2014 okay. his work that's been primary his focus he, he's now got a garage gym that's dedicated to just that work the sci thing's cool because i feel like we've debunked so many doctor like limiting factors of like complete and complete and this and that and, like we've had quads that were complete that are at a high level that we got um frontline activation and, and or things that just they just went so beyond because it is such a snowflake. It's so individualistic, right? How, how it was hurt. A million factors that go into the specificity and what then how that manifests. So, you know, again, there's there's a that for us. You're never going to go. We won't ever have us go like, oh, you can't move your legs. We just won't worry about those. Right. <laughs> hey, we're going to train it as part of the whole things. And then, of course, we're working in outsourcing. I mean, we just started a new relationship with a stem cell. Um, doctor and a company that I, I, I just, I don't, I want to turn every rock and yeah. you are a perfect example of being the best Guinea pig in, in your pioneering, because what could happen for, you know, someone tomorrow or 10 years down the road. I mean, that's why you do it. And that's the hope. I mean, yes, it's for you. And of course you're always looking for improvement, but how fun is it to like Johnny Appleseed into the story? And that's all ATF has done. It's like, I found myself in these people's stories and they've given me permission to heal and grow in the ways that I challenge them. And that net net is a really rich way to live life. My kids, they've grown up around, they ask for wheelchair Barbie every Christmas. They, their best friends are missing limbs. We just had veterans day at school and I brought three vets that were all amputees and they're spinning their leg around and stuff. I mean, it's just cool. I just, that's like, um, yeah, they are superheroes and not just the veterans and first responders. I mean, I mean that across the board and anybody that's listening that has a spinal cord injury, um, you know, I'd encourage you to be head up, eyes up, you know, heart open. And when people engage you, just share what happened and the way you live your life. I mean, dude, people don't even realize like bowel and bladder alone, like the importance and the care that it takes and the time that it takes. And the, I mean, us as a staff, I mean, we're, we're down to get gritty. Like you need a calf change this, like we realize what we sign up for. And, you know, last night we were all hanging out in an RV trailer and we had to pick up one of the guys like, that's a normal, we do that all the time. And that's where I think if you don't have a community like that, it's out there. Um, and I encourage you to go try to find it. Yeah, no, that's beautiful, man. Um, you know, I saw on the website uh, for adaptive, the adaptive training foundation, you had, like, I guess I motto, I don't know what, but it's, uh, it just said grit, heart and humor. And I just thought that was great, man. I, I you know, I, I love that. And, and, you know, kind of describe what that means to you and, and the team there at ATF. Uh, yeah. Grit is just effort. 
you know, outcome isn't up to you, but effort is. So be gritty. You know, you got a lot more than you think. Um, you know, when you think you're at your maximum, you're only 40% there. That's definitely grit. Um, heart is if you're not leading, being honest, being real, like we say, come as you are. Cause like if something happened, it's not just like, Oh, leave that in the parking lot and come focus on this. Cause that's compartmentalizing. That's part of the problem. So bring whatever it is. This is why we do breath work, mindfulness and meditation pre and post every workout session, using the breath as an anchor, activating our, par- uh, our sympathetic nervous system before we work out and then parasympathetic after fight and flight versus rest and digest. Right. So you're using the central nervous system to your advantage. You're being able to prime yourself and um, biologically you're showing up and you're emotional and back to the heart, the heart cohesion with the way that you're thinking greater than you feel that you're aiming at. I know today when there's a moment when I want to quit, when that voice in my head that doesn't pay rent says, stop, you shouldn't, you won't, you can't. That's my opportunity. That's an opportunity that if I take that challenge on a daily basis, the wolf that I feed will get stronger. And each time I come to that moment, if I eclipse it, I get a little bit stronger, a little bit bolder. And that then is the, you know, the opportunity that you start to lean toward that everything's for me. Stop with the defeating language. The last piece is levity matters, man. Like we have a box taped off in the gym and it says sympathy box. Because if you, if you want sympathy, you got to go stand in the box. You're not going to get it in the gym. And people will be like, Oh my gosh, that's so I'm like, no, I, you don't know the amount of people I've walked up to a wheelchair and be like, dude, sick chair. What made you get into it? Like, why'd you buy that? And they like, kind of look at me like, dude, did you say that? <laughs> like borderline like offensive, but it's not because, you know, it's hopefully diffusing. You start a conversation and figure out like really what their story is. Right. That That's, I think the, the bridge and the opportunity that our gym now takes on, like those are the beacon. They feel so much more confident in that, in their capacity to be able to share and that makes me, that makes me really happy, man. The world needs to know these are some strong, gritty, funny, funny people, man. And laughter heals. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, you know, so I love. I didn't even realize when I when I had reached out um, originally that that you guys do this all. There's there's no cost to the people that come and take the classes with you guys. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, I just want to like basically i don't really have a question i just wanted to you know like no, thank you for that man that's amazing bro it's the best volunteer job i've ever had i uh i still claim i've never worked a real job in my life um and it is special because individuals you know it was like selling t-shirts and my mom grandma donating to to well howard schultz and starbucks did a little piece a little six minute piece which led to Obama flew us to the White House. It got like 100 million views in a week. Obama flew us to the White House, met with the Secretary of the VA, Ellen Show, President Bush, Speaker Ryan came to the gym in Texas. And I share that six-month window because then it led to a lot of really big corporate speaking opportunities for me. And I'd get up and be able to share, yes, my story and how I fell into this work, but the indomitable stories of these athletes and their courageous and vulnerable ways of growing and how this program has been built in such a way that it does help people redefine their lives. I don't care if you're, you know, a disabled athlete or not. That that sort of corporate side led to multi-year sponsorships. 
And so, you know, Lululemon is, is a title sponsor, uh, which is crazy. You know, they've given us a ton of capital and a ton of product and our athletes are wearing their stuff. Our athletes are feeling great. It's like uh, one of my combat engine Marines, who's a double above knee, very high hip disarticulation. So he needs like um, shorts with really good liners. And he was such a bro. He was like, oh, I'm not wearing your Lulu, your yoga girl stuff. And this dude put those on. And yes, what? He's like, he's got four pairs now in every color. I'm like, what's up, Lulu, babe? Um, so I, I pinched myself, man. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work. I've learned a lot. And, it, it, you know, you, you break your heart breaks sometimes because there's some people that you just know the horse is right up to the water and they won't drink. Like we have, it's sweat psychology. We're putting these things in front of them and it's, Time and discipline is the physical part, but the real part is that shift from who they see in the mirror, the relationship with that person. And damn, man, once, once it clicks for them, it's just, it's a privilege because it's like the light, light switch comes back on. There's hope again. And that hope can be aimed in purpose and in service. And yeah, if you can't get out of your own depression or, or wave, and that happens to me still, I still have, seasons of, of ups and downs find a way to serve somebody find a way to, to be of service to somebody in a way that also fires you up not just like i gotta go to the soup kitchen and do this you know like do it in a way that's because it's something it's, it's valuable and of value to you and it'll change everything about the way you're feeling oh, i love that um you know you you talked again there about you know about depression kind of hitting people and things like that and uh and kind of back to the mental health side of things, I feel like, you know, yeah, even like somebody that loses a limb in combat and somebody like that you mentioned earlier has like the rug pulled out, out from under them with a spinal cord injury. Like we're all dealing with pretty similar kind of PTSD type stuff, um, things like that. Like, how have you seen that? I guess, um, you know, the, the interaction there between, yeah, kind of the vets. And you had mentioned that, you know, some of like the gritty vets are, are like, oh, the 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 uh, civilians don't know what we, we went through or whatever. Right. But then they see like somebody with a spinal cord, a severe spinal cord injury that, you know, it's like, hey, well, I guess they are going through some similar stuff to me as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like to the gritty kind of combat injured side, like if, if I welcome them at the door and say, okay, we're going to meditate today before we start our workout. Right. They're like, all right, hippie. Um, you know, you, you, you can go back to Oregon, Mr. Eugene. Kid. <laughs> but when we say like, if you ever look behind the scope of a rifle, it had to be aware of your breath and your heartbeat. Yeah. Well, that's mindfulness right now. Let's, let's just, we, we reframe constantly. So when we did have a bunch of vets in one class and one woman who was, who is an amazing, above the amputee, amazing woman. She was actively, um, Hillary, she was in Hillary Clinton's campaign actively at the time. Um, and so there was a, a vast difference in, in belief and opinion and political view. And we didn't shy away from it. We just brought everyone together and said, hey, we already know this, so let's just put it out in the light and let's have some healthy conversation. It was such a powerful class by the end because, man, did people grow individually and collectively by leaning into that tension, but not making it personal. We make our athletes go through the four agreements. It's an amazing book by Don Miguel Ruiz. If you've never read it, I highly encourage. Um, there's a reason why Tom Brady said it's the most influential book in his life. Um, but the first one is impeccability of the word. Uh, the second thing is uh, don't take anything personal because uh, we make assumptions, which is also the third. And th those, those are the, 
tenets in the book that help guide a conversation. So then when we are opening up about these things, because it can, there is the trauma Olympics. There is sometimes where it's well, my things, but, or the self-deprecating, like, hey, Jeremy needs it more than me. Well, but who says? Because he's in a chair, right? And I'm, I'm just, you know, or they do the, I just have a baloney, it's a paper cut, like, which is what they'll call. And I'm held in the fun banter and stuff in the gym, fine, right? Like nobody's special. And yeah, yeah, there is a time and a place with both self-advocacy and self-humility, that selflessness, that, that that's why I think the way we do what we do, training them as a group, as a class over nine weeks, that unit, that unified, like one day, there's certain things we'll do. We'll like activate a fake fire drill, but they don't know it's fake. You already get out of the building and you'll see, I'll, I'll watch like one of my guys will start to run and then stop and go back to one, grab one of the guys in the chair, right? And like sling them over. And it's like, yes, dude, like yeah. that's, that's the point of this thing. It's not, you know, that old adage, go, you know, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. That's that's what we built. So I don't know if sorry I got off. I don't know if that answered your question at all. But I think the dichotomy between the two is the healthy uh, variety and experience, the diversity of experience. Because, um, yeah, I mean, yes, a vet could be of any ethnicity, background, color, whatever. But there's this unifying thing between them. Now, as adaptive athletes, that's a broader bucket too, with even more sprinkling. So, yeah, I'm passionate about it and encourage anyone listening to check out app, apply online. Um, to like you said, it is a hundred percent cost free. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering, so I was, uh, like going through your website. It's funny. Cause I, um, you know, it, basically like the, you, you have all the different classes that you've had already. And like the faces kind of flash by of the, of the adaptive athletes that participated. And I, I saw one, I think it was like class 18 or something. I saw it. I was like, I'm pretty sure I just knew somebody that was in that, the, the, the little, uh, the quick slideshow that went by and I was my, my guy, Taylor Nichols, who uh, is a friend of the good podcast. Looking dude. It's a good looking dude, man. He's a stud. He is. And he's, he's been getting guy, after man. it. With, he's been yeah. getting after it. Yeah. He's amazing. And he's, I know him and uh, he's, he's doing the, the uh, NFL, like I guess the adaptive NFL right now, or they, they just got done with it and they did pretty well yeah. uh, for the Dallas <laughs> Cowboys there, which is awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, what What do you, so when you take the nine-week course, you you know, you said, like, you guys do, like, a fake fire drill, but nobody knows it's fake. Like, what, like, what are you getting into, like, when you, you come in for this nine-week, nine-week yeah, course? So and people, think- and people that come from out of town, like, so you guys put, like, are able to put them up at, like, a, a hotel or something yeah. for, or have some house? Yeah, so the. Yeah, there's nine weeks in the hotel, which we're currently working on. I'm going to build my own little IMG Academy for ATF. It's going to be campus, housing, gym, aquatics, meditation center. The whole the whole deal will be, and we'll have a performance side too. That'll probably be three years away. But in the, in the interim, um, yeah, we, you know, we bring them in. Here's the thing. Think about our lives. Like we're, we all are on our own hero's journey. And that arc is is up to us. And, you know, people think about destination thinking robs the joy of living. And, and if you could just be more like Forrest Gump, kind of bouncing from X to X on the map, growing along the way, um, you can, I think you can start to look at the way that we have to all first take inventory. So this is the beginning of the, 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 the program. So one of the things we do at, at orientation, they have five minutes pencil, they have to draw themselves. Just go, right? however you see yourself. And they, they don't see that picture again. 
the end graduation nine weeks later they'll do the same do the side by sides are crazy you want to talk about mental health you want to talk about and just that perception of it, they don't even remember the other picture and and sometimes like whoa i drove i drew that there's like a knife sticking out of their head like so, like crazy Wow. But the first beginning is all about taking inventory. And then it's exploration, right? And it's still that honeymoon phase. Everyone's new. They're doing three, three-hour workouts uh, each week. But there's a ton of other stuff built around it. You know, there's education and holistic, you know, food and education and how we're cooking our lunches there right after they train. Um, there's rehabilitation, regeneration stuff. Twice during the class, we have a root meeting. So we do a lock-in basically around the fire where we, and the staff opens up about their scars. Right. About, you know, being abused as a kid or this thing or that thing. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I see why you were drawn to this work. And like, oh, I see the commonalities. Empathy shows up. Compassion shows up. And then in a collective accountability way, we really start to up the ante. So weeks three is grit um, for like you keep progressing, which there's a Kintsugi week, which if you know Kintsugi, it's the Japanese um, definition of where the, where the a bowl or something has been shattered. They use the, the glue to fill the cracks with gold. Now it's actually more valuable because it has a story, which right. is exactly who they are as athletes. And then we begin and we're going through the book and they're doing the breath work and they're starting to journal. And then, and dude, pretty soon, like the, the point was don't stand on the shore and be like, you guys are going to figure out how to swim, wade into the water with these people, earn their trust, cry with them, laugh with them, share sweat with them, right? Puke buckets together. And then, and then when, when it's time to really look at them and say, you got this, right? It's in you. They believe it too. And that is the most significant spit. That's my why is like being there when they decide to step off and they've never done it, you know, or they, they haven't in a long time and they they've done it again for themselves. And then eventually they, you know, they go on to graduate and then we take them on this 10th week redeploy, which is, you know, adaptive skiing, snowboarding, cl climbing, mountain biking, rafting, depending on where we are. And, that also galvanizes the unit and exposes them to some recreational sports and other potentials and partners and grants and other not-for-profits like High Five Foundation, CAF. Um, you know, we just worked with Higher Ground out of Sun Valley. So, yeah, dude, it's – I know you can tell I don't get excited about this stuff at all. <laughs> this is awesome, man. This, I'm so – yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. This is amazing, David. Um, and, I, you know, I just kind of have one, one more question for you here that – um, I wanted to to just touch on like it it in the all the little interviews I've watched of yours over the the last few weeks getting ready for the interview. Yeah, it seems like there's a real family atmosphere with this. Like you're like these guys like Travis Mills and Brian Aff, like these guys seem like your family, like more than, you know, just some guys that you're working out with or or guys that you, yeah. you know, you you're uh yeah, like that you're connected with through working out. It seems like these guys are like family and that like you talk about them like they're, you know, they're saying they're heroes. And, um, you know, what is, was that something you wanted to create when you started Adaptive Training Foundation or is it, did it just kind of come about organically? Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, just what service and leadership, you know, culture can do. I think that I say tribe and it's, it's not just cause it's trendy or maybe it wasn't back when we started saying it, but uh, tribes different than a team, right? A team is a roster organizational chart roles, responsibilities, but a tribe recognizes that, you know, perceivably weakest person 
you know, perceivably inexperienced, most experienced, inexperienced person. Like these are all integral parts of the sum of the whole, and they must be relied upon. So they have to show up with their why underneath the larger umbrella of the the, the tribe. So the through line, right, is is the adaptive athlete, but the humanity within that, and then the the uniqueness of all of those stories and the way that those roles. Like someone come up to me, like, dude, we need a you know a rider a motorcycle deal with you know blah blah. I'm like, cool. You got a motorcycle. Yeah, man, I'm into that. I'm like, yes, that's what we need because your stoke brings stoke, right? This is the, and so it's almost like, it's almost like I'm just sort of like a maestro in an orchestra that just sort of like guides this person over here and allows this. And and I also love, you know, one of my, we make the athletes after, at their last root meeting in like week eight, they have to commit to an oh shit goal. It's within 90 days where they like, oh shit, I signed up and I'm either going to lose that money if I don't do it or like I could fail at this. And we just had, I mean, we've had police officer shot in the head, just did a 5k, took him like, I mean, hours, it was insane on his own walking. Um, one of our athletes had spina bifida born this way. She had never camped or climbed a mountain. We just summited some peaks over on the New Mexico, Texas border and camped with 50 mile an hour winds. Like the adventure side of that too, is so good, you know? And that's, I think that's how I like to live. And so part of that's probably naturally emitting from me, but the staff that I've built is so great. They're all former athletes. They're all, you know, one of my guys is, was formerly an ATF athlete, veteran airborne, and that now is on staff and a trainer. And those are, that's the glue, man. It's like people see me and, and my personality or, you know, just different stuff on me. And I promise the staff behind the scenes is the reason that ATF is the culture and and does what it does. It feels like a church foyer after a wedding or somebody like the energy in the gym, you know, you guys, it's palpable. And I believe you can do that in in a lot of different places, but man, the gym is a fun place to party. Yeah, no, you can feel it when you see some of the, some of the videos of you guys working out, it seems like everybody's having a good time and, and really pushing each other. So did you uh, see the video of Michaela crawling across the length of the turf, the spinal cord injury? I have not. Girl? I have not so, seen that one yet. Yeah. Anyone listening, go check that. You're going to have to go to Adaptive Training Foundation's Instagram page and go back maybe a month, maybe two. But it, this thing is – so this girl, she, she, her goal was to crawl the 40-yard length of the turf. Elbows bloody. We're laying yoga mats out. And, again, she has nothing, you know, very little dexterity of her hands. It's just basically her forearms crawling. And – you know, it took her almost 20 minutes. There's a big bell at the end. And when you reach a goal, you ring that bell and dude, she ends up ringing the bell. Uh, and it's a video of it. It might want to have tissues nearby because dust will start kicking up in the room. <laughs> I'll definitely uh, attach that in the, in the show notes for people to check out too. And David, why don't you, uh, can you give us your, um, like the, the website and the, the yeah. socials and stuff so people can uh, link up with you guys? Yeah, hundred percent. The easiest thing I'll say too, because I know it's always hard to, to remember these things uh, on the recording. But if you look up adaptive, we're the number one thing that pops up just about on the web, just across the board and on social. But adaptivetrainingfoundation.org. Um, you can also just do teamatf.org. Uh, but all the socials are pages of Adaptive Training Foundation. Um, and and I think you know, for anyone listening to share the videos, man. I mean, people talk about like how do you how do we help you. I mean, just sharing the videos, you never know who in your network may see it and it may end up coming through our doors, um, you know, or one day your sister gets in a car accident and you go, oh, I know the perfect place. Tons of stories like that over the last decade. Um, but also, you know, there's cool T-shirts and stuff like we always are doing 
you know, every day is leg day with the skull and prosthetic leg bones and, and, you know, sympathy box t-shirts and uh, no, no shortage of character and personality um, from the ATS pages. And then of course, if, if you're interested in donating, it's always a great way to, um, you know, support by sponsoring and keeping everything cost free for these athletes. Oh, it's, it's amazing, man. I love what you're doing, David. Thank you again for, for being willing to um, hop on the show here and, yeah. and uh, tell everybody a little bit about what you guys are doing and kind of about your story. Yeah, brother. You have to do a live one from the gym one day. I would love to, man. I would love to. And yeah, I'll definitely have to link up with you about those, uh, the people I need to get on the, on the show. I would yep. love to get some, uh, uh, anytime somebody comes up with an idea, I'm all for it. So let's, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's link up with that. All right, man. Thanks, thank Jamie. you. Appreciate you, brother. Yep. Thank Thanks. you. All right. That was David Vibora, the one and only, uh, I'm, I was just hyped up after that, after speaking with him. Um, he's just full of energy, like, you know, and a lot of times, man, you'll talk to guests, uh, I'll interview people, and they'll be kind of, you know, low energy when, when we're not recording, and then, like, they hype up for, for the actual interview. He was like that from, from the jump, man, so it was it was awesome to talk to him, got to, you know, geek out on some Seahawks stuff for a minute. Yeah, man, I just I just can't thank David enough for for coming on the show. He seizes the day. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know. Um, and to get people in there from all walks of life and show everybody that um, you know, it doesn't matter what your battle is, whether it's mental, right, PTSD, whether it's physical, whether you have a disability, whether you have two legs, one legs, or no legs or arms. You know, you can set your mind to it and accomplish it. And that's what's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Like, the fact they don't charge. Oh, yeah. Uh, charge yeah. for this, for, for doing this course for people. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible. A lot of the guys that um, have gone through the course are back, like, working with them. Uh, Coaching, inspiring. And, and, yeah, 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 exactly. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's a definitely I definitely touched on it that um, it really like from watching the interviews and stuff with him and some of the videos of their of their courses and whatnot. You could just tell it's like a family down there. Like they're all so tight knit that, um, you know, that that's a beautiful thing all in itself. Well you, well, you talk about that all the time in recovery. Right. No matter what it is, you know, family support, you know, like your early days. Right. Having everybody around you mm-hmm. supporting friends and family. It's, it's key. It's really important. Yeah, I certainly you know? uh, enjoyed the interview. Um, as as you said before, I just felt like we should have got out the way and, and let him do, um, let us talk about, let him talk about his um, rehabilitation center. But, you know, yeah, you could tell that the family environment creates an energy there uh, that transpires over into to the facility. Um, and, you know, with with all the work that they're doing down there, I mean, yeah, we do need to get you down there, Jay. Yeah, that would be amazing, uh, man. That would be amazing. And uh, I, I had reached out to Taylor Nichols when I first realized that he had gone through the course uh, because me and David had to uh, reschedule a couple of times. Just things came up on both ends. Um, and, and shout out to his uh, one of his, the people on his team, Taylor Moore. She really 
help facilitate getting the interview scheduled and, and getting it on you know his schedule because he's a busy guy. I mean, they're they're doing. I mean, I, he he did just come from a lesser podcast by Chris Long over to ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, he's been on the Ellen Show. So I mean, I'm yeah. sure this this was definitely. You did meet the, with Barack Obama and President yeah, Bush. Yeah, but yeah. You come yeah. on to the Live the Walk Again yeah. podcast, you made it. Yeah, yeah. That's your that's a sign that you made it. Yep. Yeah. That's that's what I always say. That's what I tell people. Um, but yeah, no, he, he definitely, he's doing amazing things. So that, that's crazy. So Chris Long, Howie Long's son, mm-hmm. the famous, I mean, Chris Long's probably damn near a Hall of Fame football player too. But uh, he was, Chris Long was the first pick in the draft by the Rams, and he was the last pick overall. Uh, David was the last pick overall in the, uh, in the NFL draft there in 2008, which is crazy because, you know, I always, like, I'm the biggest, like, draft nerd sure. ever. And getting to see um yeah like yeah like i would always even watch till the end just to see who mr irrelevant was and like obviously they call it mr irrelevant but like if you get drafted in the nfl draft like i don't care you're like at the peak of your yeah of what yeah, you I mean, do you yeah. know what i mean great players matter. don't make the draft and still make teams right do you know what i mean right yeah so yeah like shout out to him for but i mean like he and he he made it he you know, made the point that you know maybe he didn't have the same physical tools as some of like the first round picks or like the the high level NFL players, but he put the work in in the gym and he put the work in off the field where you know you you have to outgrind everybody else mm. to uh, mm. to to be able to make it. And I mean that's just like I love that that mindset. So. Well, well it's, I, it's it's mind over matter, right? Yeah, uh, I've been uh, when he mentioned. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Yeah. I've watched that like probably like, five or six times. Yeah. Um, and for him to bring up the competitive nature of Michael Jordan, basically, you know, you have to be a psychopath, right? Yeah. But really, man, later on in the interview, he talks about the most important part of that that whole dynasty um, in the Bulls dynasty is the mindfulness mm-hmm. that Phil Jackson brought forth. And... Um, being able to zero in on specific, um, I don't know what you, I don't know exactly how to explain mindfulness, you know, but yeah, just being aware, being, being present, aware, yeah, being, being present right. and like not letting things, um, encapsulate you beyond your abilities, right. Not being able to let things get bigger than they are and right. being able to bring that back in and be mindful of your situation. And, um, you know, clearly he's – and there was a book that he mentioned about that Tom Brady reads. Yeah, um, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it was called. Though. And there's another book that, that was a forward by Phil Jackson that I recommend everybody read, and I'll get the name of that. But it had mindfulness um, as the cornerstone of that too. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, one of the things is that he talks about all kinds of things, right, in his own personal life, right, and being in the fight basically, right, always working hard. You know, and I remember once, you know, my dad was a boxer and uh, Mike Tyson came up and I said, God, can you imagine losing to Mike Tyson? And he goes, nobody loses to Mike Tyson. If you're in the ring with Mike Tyson mm, and you walk it. away, you won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're at that level, you won. Yeah. Right. And that's how I feel about all these people that, you know, that it, it reminded me of that. You know, anybody that goes through this program, you know, you're winning. You're winning. Yeah. Yeah. You're winning. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it just seems it seems like um, 
And he takes a really holistic approach to it, too. Mm. Right? Right. Yeah, you just don't jump into, you know, working out. It's all about, let's conquer some of your demons first and some of those mind hurdles. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking very yeah. important part. Yeah. Probably the most important part. Yeah. Because those things like um, uncertainty are never going to go away. Yeah, or doubt. Or doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. those things, pain is never, like you're at some point in your life, you will face those if not always, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I love the uh, he. So there, I think his name's Brian Aft. Uh, they talk like in, in all the kind of like. There's been a few documentaries that were made about uh, about David and what they're doing uh, at Adaptive Training Foundation, and um, they there's this guy Brian Aft that's. Uh, amputee double amputee you know lost both of his legs in iraq um and david bora just like is driving through a parking lot and sees this guy either getting in or out of his truck and just slams on the brakes and like runs up to him like hey my name's david vibora like i want to work yeah i'm a former nfl player like what happened to you like come work out with me blah 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 you know he's just like he's that dude like mm, yeah all the time so i mean that that's got to be that's got to be a fun, you know, just energy to be around. Just, just having that, like, where he's like so outgoing that it's like, yeah, he'll stop. Like he, and he also, um, Travis Mills uh, is a one of only like four living or five living um, quadruple amputees, and he's down there in the Dallas area. And he, uh, they met at, uh, he met David Abora at a like a birthday party or something, and. David Bohr is like, when's the last time you worked out? And this guy's like super quick witted and like, you know, jokes about his injury or whatever. And he's just like, how the hell am I going to work out, man? What are you talking about? And he's like, no, come in the gym, man. We'll get, we'll figure something out. And that's kind of really what started it. Cause at that time, David was just training uh, professional athletes and college mm-hmm. athletes and like Olympic hopefuls and stuff like that. So it was like a high end, high level training facility at that time. And now they've completely switched over to being a nonprofit and and giving back, giving back exactly. So yeah, and uh, I had to get that little my little dig in about the Huskies beating the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. another <laughs> another small nugget is he <laughs> said he wanted to make his compound like IMG Academy. Yeah, and, I heard and that. Shout out to IMG Academy and uh, North Sellers. Thurston High School graduate right here in Lacey, Washington. Mike Sellers, coach over there. Oh. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, so that, that, and that, like, what an amazing, like, idea to have, like, because he's not, you know, I mean, IMG, obviously, those guys are making money hand over fist putting these, because they're, like, all the top-level college kids that maybe mm-hmm. are uh, high school kids that can't get into college or need some extra training or whatever, or just are real, super yeah, good athletes a, go, to a this, specified go to this prep academy. Uh, yeah, prep school for, just for sports, and he's going to do that for people trying to rehab from spinal it. cord injuries or amputations or like, whatever let's make the, the most elite level training yeah. available right. yeah and what i really got out of it was like you know you're going to discover something about yourself when you're done with this nine weeks and something that you know is going to make your life more enjoyable right yeah. Yeah. maybe not working out all the time but you may find something that you really enjoy you know or a group of friends or something else Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Additionally, yeah. finding um, finding satisfaction in in doubters and proving the system wrong. You know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In, in being that I want to prove doctors wrong that there's that these 
it's not too late to do this or this method could work this way or just yeah um, outworking people from a from that perspective right yeah yeah Yeah, it's i mean that's an important thing like you i mean yeah we gotta leave no no stone unturned right it's It, it doesn't matter. Like whatever you can do, they're gonna help you do that. They're gonna they're gonna push you to do that. And like whatever movements you have, whatever you yeah. know, like they talk about a, a woman just like uh, who is a quadriplegic, like sco- scooching herself across the floor, you know, on her elbows, mm-hmm. yeah. just trying to doing whatever you, you can Crazy, to, to move and to, to work out. And and you know that and the thing is man it's so true like when i work out like i've got like some crappy weights and stuff that i i do at least like three or four days a week but i always feel better when i work out than when i don't like oh yeah well that's gonna happen for a multitude of reasons man yeah yeah it's uh it's always but i mean it's just yeah like i can see what he's talking about though like i get back in the gym like that's gonna be a good uh, you know, just a good thing to, to get your, you're, you're boosting your serotonin, you're boosting your, all these things, man. Well, one of the things that you didn't really hit on was a uh, diet, right? Along with the exercise. Yeah, that's what I totally yeah. meant to do that too. Yeah. Cause they, I think they do have dietitians that are. Yeah. There. Way to point that out, Ricardo. Yeah. Thanks Ricardo. Appreciate well, no, no, you I mean, suck, it's for the second interview, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. We'll get him back it's, on. it's for the after, after yeah. Jeremy's been there interview. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, so, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I, I wanted. I'm glad I asked him. I was really interested to hear what his, you know, because he's like obviously a recovering addict of so on to, from the the medications that he was being prescribed from the NFL, um, which I feel like happens to a lot of uh, you hear you hear about stuff like this with NFL players quite often. Yeah. But the fact, you know, I was like, well, what, you know, what are your feelings on cannabis for? You know, should that be legalized? He's just like, I'm all about natural remedies, you know, whatever that that holistic remedies yeah and like that, i mean so. really like who needs to talk about diet when you can just really find out what it's like to play at seahawks stadium oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah. because fans, the uh, the huh? analogy he used was <laughs> I know. like pretty yeah. crazy man yeah, yeah yeah i don't advise you <laughs> nobody try this <laughs> but it's crazy to think but, that that's what it's like put yeah. your head next to some railroad tracks <laughs> well i've i've been at seahawks stadium when it gets like so loud and i've like, been there for some moments yes. yeah, yeah and like trying to like even like yell to the like i have to like like I would, yeah. I think I was with you at a game, Brandon, that went crazy, and I was like yelling at you, trying to get your attention, and no, like just couldn't, you couldn't hear, hear me. Nobody could hear me. And I mean, I'm kind of quiet anyway, just because I can't yell that yeah. loud. But still, man, like it was loud as yeah. like. And deafening. you won't even get up and respect the flag, man. I swear, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, don't even don't even <laughs> start with me, bro. During the national anthem, yeah. he just refuses I to stand. I know. Like that's the most awkward feeling ever. <laughs> Or if I have a hat on and I don't have somebody like standing right next to me you to like pull, pull my hat off at the at the game, it's like oh my god. And then the camera zooms in on Jeremy. Right. <laughs> Look at this jerk. Yeah, yeah, a little jerk. He was supporting. I wonder why he bought before. that chair. Yeah. <laughs> or Brandon would like when me and Brandon used to go to Husky basketball games. Like he would always go to the bathroom like right when the national anthem was getting ready to go on, and then I, he comes time. back. I'm like. Jeremy's like still got there. his hat on. It's like, yeah. I feel like people just are looking at me, and I'm just like, uh, what am I going to do, man? <laughs> anyway. This guy. Well, hey, I I thought this was a great interview. Loved David Babora was incredible. I you know, thank him again. And it sounds like maybe he could link you up with a couple other guests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, he I, I, I'm just, you know, that he does it for free, right? Yeah. That he's giving back. Man. I mean, yeah. how often do you find somebody 
that will do that, right? What I want to know, maybe for the second interview, Jeremy, is the things and adaptive equipment that he uses, if maybe there's something that they could patent and start putting out there for home use. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when you leave, right? That would be cool. I mean, a lot lot of the stuff I saw them, like, documenting on these different uh, interviews was more, I mean, it's just, like, dudes on the mat, like, they're working their asses off so it wasn't even like they weren't even using much equipment equipment but they do have tons of equipment in their gym you can take like a 3d tour on their website which is kind of cool i like zoomed around in there and looked around their gym it looks pretty awesome um but yeah, yeah we'll link Ricardo, that. Ricardo, if you could uh, just come up with a list of questions that I didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, him, I will. Uh, I'll I would, do that. I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, we, we don't have to keep coming back to. What to was the weather I, like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, well, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that. We're going to be off next week for Thanksgiving, but then uh, the following week we will have Eric Legrand from Legrand Coffee House and Legrand Whiskey um, and basically anything else Legrand that you can think of. Uh, on the show so that'll be a good one I'm, I'm looking forward to that and uh yeah thank you guys for coming down with this is a this is a good one man I'm, I'm i'm excited for everybody to hear it all right well thanks jeremy and you have a good week and a good thanksgiving yep you guys too all right if you could listen like rate review share all that good stuff we would appreciate it helps us with the algorithms five stars only please and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks happy thanksgiving everyone